Welcome to this episode of Safe Home Podcast for struggling teens and their families finding their healing path. I am Beth Syverson, a mom of an 18-year-old son, Joey, who has been dealing with drug addiction and mental health issues for several years. I am still walking beside him as he struggles with his recovery while I work on my own personal growth and healing. I'm really excited to have our guest today, Ross Lepola. He is the host of the Project Unchained podcast. He lives in Atlanta, Georgia, and he's a powerlifting coach and a life coach who has been on a healing journey for the past decade of his life. And like our son Joey, Ross had a really difficult adolescence, which included a lot of bullying, and that led him to have a lot of suicidal ideation. Uh, heads up, if anyone is really sensitive, this episode might be uh, referring to suicide a few times. For Ross, sports and lifting weights became his outlet and savior in the seventh grade. He was able to exercise his anger away, or so he thought. But after many years of substandard living, he realized that all he did was sweep those issues under the rug. Tired of not living authentically, he got to work on himself, and he's been able to create massive shifts and changes in his life. And I'm so looking forward to hearing about all of those modalities that you used and your journey in becoming a more whole and authentic person. And I know your story will be inspiring to our audience. So thank you for being here. Welcome to Safe Home, Ross. Yes, thank you, Beth. I'm super excited to to be here and be a part of your podcast. I absolutely love what you're doing. I think it's it's one thing to be vulnerable about your past, but it's another thing to be vulnerable about your present. And, you know, I just I I thank you for what you're doing. I know you're making a difference in the world for a lot of people with with Safe Home and being vulnerable in the moment. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, it it's not easy. Our culture tells us to hide and just bury our heads in the sand until things get better. But we decided a long time ago that our family's not going to hide. And we're going to try to help other people because we got to transform this pain into something. Because <laughs> it's, it's really painful sometimes. But uh, we're all hanging in there. So we just keep going. But we're always looking for new tools for our tool belt. You know, I don't think you can have too many tools. So I'm looking forward to what you have to share. And I know that you can probably relate to my son because it sounds like you had a lot of the same issues when he was in high school and junior high. So do you want to tell us about your struggles when you were a kid? Yeah, a lot of it started really early. I definitely struggled to fit in in elementary school and I got picked on on a regular basis. I was bullied at school. I was bullied on the way to school, on the way home from school. And, you know, there there wasn't ever anything that was like so bad, but it was just relentless, you know, just ah, the yeah. constant people calling you names, you know, and then that would cause me to have some feelings and I'd cry and then I'd get made fun of for crying. And it was so ah. it was just like this constant onslaught of more uh, smaller things. Right. Like I had mm -hmm. a good family life. I, my parents were good they're supportive and loving and caring. But I like it's difficult when you can't get away from mm -hmm. that. And I didn't really know it at the time. But I, I as I reflect on it, I realize like what happens in a lot of those instances when somebody's bullying you and picking on you is that that becomes the voice in your own head and that becomes your mm -hmm. internal dialogue. So now you really can't get away from it and it's with you everywhere you go. Yeah. It follows you everywhere. So then when it becomes your self-talk, it's not just at school anymore. Now, now it's right there as you're falling asleep. 
and mm. it's not a fuzzy cuddly teddy bear it's a a spiky little prick Oof. yeah 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 what were they bullying you about was it did they just find that you were a, kind of a sensitive kid and would react and so they kept bullying you or was it something they were bullying you about uh it was definitely a lot of that like me being sensitive and so you know the 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 moment they see that in and they see somebody being sensitive it's it's uh it gets dogpiled on you. Yeah. Mostly just a lot of general name calling. I, I think there is maybe two or three different times where it, where it got physical. Oh, wow. One time I got punched in the mouth and I, you know, I was able to like get away. And so it wasn't too horrible of a physical beating. I think one of the most specific memories I have was there was a day at summer Bible camp where we were outside behind the church and you know, we lived out in the country in the sticks of northern Minnesota. So there's forests all over where we were. Mm. And, you know, what kid in northern Minnesota doesn't love to go venture off in the woods and build forts. And so that was a big part of the culture up sure. there was was going out mm -hmm. in the woods. And I, I went out on this recess break or whatever it was to go out and play in the woods as well. And there's a bunch of older kids out there. And in order for me to play and participate, I had to eat dirt. Oh. And I really wanted to play and be a part of, be a part of that. And so that was really difficult because here, this is supposed to be a safe space at mm -hmm. church, at community. And it still was, it still was there. I had to like prove my worthiness to, to be a part of this mm -hmm. fort building mm -hmm. in the woods to eat dirt and, and eating dirt was that, that rite of passage. How much of it do you feel is like the toxic masculinity that they're talking about nowadays? Is that what that was? Is it is it a kind of a guy thing? Like, come on, be tough and all that? Well, I don't think that that's not at play, mm -hmm. but I don't think it's necessarily the entire thing. Okay. The way I kind of tend to look at it is there's not just in the toxic masculinity sense, but just our our culture around emotions, period, can be really bad. Boys aren't supposed to cry. Mm, yes. Girls are too sensitive. Yeah. All that does yeah. is invalidate that person and invalidate their emotions and invalidate their experience. And that comes at us from all different kinds of ways. Mm -hmm. I recall a lot of different teachers in the school when I was growing up invalidating that for, for everybody, boys and girls. And so wow. we all have a similar experience, but it's just going to have a slightly different perspective on it of, you know, Boys, yeah. boys aren't supposed to cry. Girls cry too much as a yes. rough generality. Obviously, there's a lot of different layers <laughs> that a person could get yeah, into yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, but the stuffing of the feelings. I'm from Minnesota, too, by the way. I, didn't, I never told you that. I was born in Mankato, not okay. nearly as far north it sound, as it sounds like you were. But yeah, that Midwest tough, you know, stiff upper lip kind of thing. I, I totally understand that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I recall a lot of times being told dull sticks and stones may break your bones, but words may never hurt you. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was supposed to be my tool for combating the bullying and being picked on. And it's like, that doesn't work. Just don't let it hurt you. Right. Like I say, especially when those voices, they're, what they were saying became that self-talk and became my voices. Like that yes. can be way more damaging a lot of times. Like that's the stuff that stayed with me the longest in my adult life, more so than the one time I got punched in the mouth. You know? uh, yeah. Yeah. It's those messages over and over and over again. That's what happened to Joey too. He was, and he never even told me he was getting bullied maybe because it came in such a trickle. He was bullied mainly because he's Asian and he was in a really 
highly white school mm. and it was relentless and just minor things all the time though. It just builds up and builds up and builds up and it's just destructive. Very, it's terrible. Yeah. So you, you started using sports to help deal with all this. Yeah. When you were a kid in junior high or something? At, at the height of like my depression and, and low self-esteem and low self-worth was around the summer going from sixth grade to seventh grade. Uh, and that was when I was suicidal. Um, oh, wow. It, to me, that was the only way to get away from the bullying, to get away from the thoughts in my head. I, I didn't see in the moment another way out. And Wow. Boy, that's young. Yeah. Yeah. To be at the end of the rope like that. Wow. wow. And fortunately, the, the one day that I went to go take action and actually do that, the thought came in my head, like my parents don't deserve to find me here on the floor mm. of their room dead. And oh, that, wow. that thought saved me in that moment. It was the slap in the face I needed to be like, you know, my parents love me. This sucks, but that would suck more. So yeah. let's, let's not do this, but that's, this oh. isn't, this is permanent. I can't undo yeah. this. So I stopped, mm -hmm. uh, and that, I suppose like that thought process kept me, kept me going for the next couple of months until seventh grade when I got to play football for the first time. And I was like, uh -huh. man, I get to hit people as hard as I possibly can <laughs> and not get in trouble for it. Yes, yeah, please. Right. This is amazing. Nice. And so I finally had a place to really let go of my anger yeah. and What's interesting is around that time period, I stopped getting in trouble at school. I stopped misbehaving and I started to really focus myself on football and sports. And I played football and then I played basketball. And then in the, in the spring, I played track. And that was the first time that I found the weight room. Oh, okay. And that was a whole experience because the first time I went into the weight room, our senior captain of the track team, basketball team, football team, homecoming king, senior, like everybody's like, oh man, this guy is like, he's what everybody looks up to. I walk in the yeah. weight room and and I get greeted by him. Oh, what are you doing in here? You're just a little bitch. You'll always be a little bitch. And I'm like, Whoa, oh man, man, like I had no idea how to respond to that. I just, I froze. <laughs> and fortunately for wow. me in that moment, another senior captain of the track and football team stood up and said, hey, you don't talk to anybody like that in my weight room. Get the fuck out of here. Kicks him out. Nice. Comes over to me. He's like, hey, man, you want to learn how to lift weights? I'm like, uh, yeah, sure. Scared out of my mind still. <laughs> uh, he's like, all right, well, I'm benching. Come over here. I'll teach you how to bench. And so that's when I learned how okay. to bench. And nice. so to this day, the bench is like my, that's my favorite lift. And because of that emotional connection and, and that moment saved me. You know, who, who knows oh. where I would have went had I been actually kicked out or ran out of the weight room in that light. Yeah. It's just one, one person can just make that shift for, for someone else. That's amazing. Let's yep. all try to be that person and <laughs> not the first guy. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. So that, that became kind of your passion and got you through high school, I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would. We lived seven miles from the school and I would ride my bike one way seven miles just to go lift weights for three hours Whoa. and then ride my bike home. 
Like, wow. it was, it was needed. Wow. Three. Okay. Hang on just a second. You lift weights for three hours. <laughs> I would lift weights for, for two to three hours, three wow. to five days a week. Like it wow. was, it was my sanctuary. And as I became older, like the weight room at the school essentially became mine. Cause I was the one I spent more time in the weight room than anybody else in the whole school. Wow. So there was kind of a running joke that the weight room was mine. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. I bet. Were you in in competitive weightlifting at that time or was it just to serve your other athletic pursuits? It started out to serve my other athletic pursuits. I did some bench only meets in high school starting in ninth grade. And then in 2007, when I graduated college and moved up to Alaska, I didn't compete for a couple of years again until 2011 and then in 2011 it's been you know it's been game on since then in 2017 i switched careers from being an engineer to coaching full-time so it's uh (laughs) it the older i get the more of my life it becomes wow and so are you still competing or coaching other people that compete uh both both. Okay. I know nothing about lifting. I like literally nothing. How, how much can you, how much can you lift? My PR squat is 600 pounds. <gasps> my PR bench press is 430 pounds and my PR deadlift is 630 pounds. What? Oh my God. Yeah. Is that like it's Olympic fun. level? I don't know. Is that like, could you go to the Olympics with that? No, the powerlifting is not a sport in the Olympics. There's <gasps> Olympic oh, really? lifting, but they're different lifts. Oh, so, it's a whole different yeah. game, like a whole different yeah. thing. Yeah. Wow. A, well, that's very impressive. That's like four of me. That's amazing. <laughs> I can't. It's fun. I can't imagine. I it's, bet. I bet it's cool because you ca- you have numbers to track. All right, because yep. you're an engineer. I'm gonna guess you like to see those numbers going up yep. and the statistics, and you can review and all that, and that you help. And you coach other guys and women too? Do yes. you coach women yep. or just guys? Yeah. So it's an easy sport to track, right? It's just a number on a weight and can you do it or not? And then you just watch the graph go up. Yep. And, and that makes Or am it, I making it too simple? No, no. That's, that's definitely, if you boil it down to its simplest form, that's definitely what we look at. Wow. And, and that's like more, more tangible than like bodybuilding mm-hmm. where it's a lot more subjective yeah. and that's where yeah. it can be difficult. Like who really does have the better front double bicep pose? Like, uh, yeah, like, Oh, that guy's got one more striation. So this isn't about posing. It's just about the number on the weight. Yeah. Wow. Well, that is awesome. And I bet it takes a ton of discipline and commitment to succeed at that sport. Yes, it, it does. And like, I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that to me has been the biggest lesson that I've taken from lifting Mm -hmm. and applying that discipline that I knew that it take, you know, the discipline it takes to get another five pounds on the bar. I looked at it as like, this is the same discipline it takes to get another, you know, five pounds mentally stronger or mentally healthy and spiritually sound and in that place where I'm you know, in control of the way I operate. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's like a giant metaphor, huh? Yep. Except it's not as easy to track. 
Correct. It doesn't have a clear number, uh, the Correct. personal growth stuff. It's more like, ooh, it's looser and more subjective. But yeah. I, I bet, so you did you start off as a lifting coach and then became a life coach or was it the other way around? I bet it was the first way, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was the first way around. Lifting, like, li you've coached for a long time. When I transitioned from engineering to coaching full-time, I had an immediate up level of life fulfillment and enjoyment. Mm. And mm -hmm. almost immediately after I realized like, wow, I never really wanted to be an engineer. I just got shuffled through the funnel of, of the educational system and process to, to have a good yeah. life. Yeah. You were good at math or something and they just pushed you that direction. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and it was mm -hmm. never something that really brought me fulfillment. It paid the bills. Mm -hmm. I made a lot of good money. Mm -hmm. uh, I did have mm -hmm. a lot of good experiences, so I don't regret that time, but it didn't provide me the level of satisfaction and fulfillment that switching mm -hmm. over to coaching did. And then I also realized like, it's not coaching powerlifting that fills my bucket. It's oh. connecting with people and helping them be stronger versions of themselves. I can do that. Yeah. And the most rewarding powerlifting clients I have, I realized are the ones that it's not just their muscles I make stronger, it's their mind and their mentality and their mindset that I make stronger. I'm like, yes. that's what really fills my bucket is making a difference for them okay. as a person. And so a lot wow. of stuff I look at is we're people first and athletes second. If we're yeah. not right as a person, that's going to bleed through under our athletics and it's going to cause problems in our athletics, whatever that sport for is. Sure. I, I yeah, yeah. make the example of like a Johnny Manziel gets drafted into the NFL at the peak of his sport, supposed to be the next greatest quarterback and his career flops and fails because he had a lot of off the field issues and got into a lot of trouble. Yeah. That's the person failing mm -hmm. the athlete or people first, yeah. athletes second. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, you know, I'm in the music world and it's very similar uh, performance anxiety and, and the, the self-talk can just completely sabotage a person. And um, plus it takes a lot of discipline to do, to do music. And there's a lot of tools a person needs to succeed at music as well. So it's very similar that you have to have those core principles at work in your regular, regular life life. And then to be able to succeed at whatever your job or your sport or whatever it is. I totally, totally get that. Did you, did you go to one of those life coach schools or did you just put a shingle up and say, here I am to help everybody? <laughs> um, yeah, it's mostly, <laughs> how do you uh, do that? It, it's mostly just, I want to just share my experiences and, and path forward mm -hmm. and, and do that through discipline and motivation and, uh, what we can, what we can do and create together. That's awesome. Uh, so what, what are some of the, the tools you use in your, in your life coaching practice? A lot of it, the way I look at it, comes down to awareness. Like you, mm -hmm. if we don't have awareness, then how will we know what we need to change? So cultivating awareness and being yes. aware of how we operate, being aware of our beliefs, being aware of our values, being aware of our truths, and going through mm -hmm. that to bring awareness to it. So then that way, once we have awareness to it, we can make the choice. Is this what I want? And if it's not what you want, then we change it and change it to what you want it to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that so many people just walk through life on autopilot and don't even know what they want, don't even know what they're doing 
don't even know what direction they're going. They're just going to work, coming home, watching TV, going to work, you know, or whatever yep. it is, and just kind of ambling through. But there, it, there's a lot more fulfilling ways to live using those tools. And I love that tool of awareness that it's sort of terrifying, though, becoming aware, especially if you're not living your whole truth. Sometimes that means some big changes and people sometimes don't want to make big changes and yeah. then you're at a crossroads. Yep. One of the hardest things in the world to do is to look in the mirror and ask yourself if you're proud of yourself. Are you proud of how you behave? Are you proud of how you act? And doing that shadow work because it, it sucks to look at yourself yeah. in the mirror and be like, nope, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not. I'm doing things, this ABC, I'm doing these things that are, that I don't like. And so yeah. I need to change them. And these are behaviors and habits and patterns that I don't like that I need to change. And so that can be really scary. It is scary. Yeah. What if you find one of those things that you don't like about yourself? What do you suggest you're, when you have your client in front of you? What are they supposed to do with that once they become aware? Well, becoming aware of it is, like we say, step one. What mm. do you want it to be? Mm. What would it look like? What would What would make you feel good what would make you feel proud in that moment and mm. you know it's behavioral changes are just like habit changes if you want it to be successful you don't just turn the habit off you replace the habit with something intentional and so it all resides oh, in living intentionally and being intentional mm -hmm. be aware of the pattern be intentional about the pattern um mm -hmm. and when you're intentional and you're operating from that place of intention, then you're also likely to be operating from a place of authenticity. And when you're operating from a place of authenticity, a lot of those concerns and stresses of life, they just, they melt away. Yes. Yes. So our goal is to, through our lifetime, to become as authentic as we can. Yep. Right. Is that your belief too? Just Absolutely. to really figure out who you are, that self-reflection, that um, not navel-gazing really, but just kind of figuring out, okay, who am I at my core, the the higher self part of me, and what do I want to be, and what do I want to do with that? And Now, uh, as a parent of a teen who's sort of off the rails, and if there are other parents like me listening, sometimes it feels like there's no me in this whole situation. I am just like, being drug around by my son, <laughs> or I used to feel like that. I've kind of, I've worked really hard on myself and I've gotten better, but the, I would say the, the whole first year, I was just like a being drug around by a big dog on a leash, you know, an untrained dog. That's just like over here, over here. Ah, ah, ah. It was ugly. It was in, in just anxiety and just, I just felt out of control and I was desperately trying to get control of the situation, which isn't, possible because it's a whole nother person and I can't control anybody else. But if there's another parent like me, like maybe in their first year of their child struggling and there's just so much anxiety and unknown, what, what kind of tools would you suggest that they grab onto? What age group a, a kid are we talking about in that? Okay. When it happened to my kid, he was 15. Okay. When, it, when everything started hitting the fan. One of the lenses that I hold that has shaped and, and changed a lot of my life perspective was 
when I took a, a parenting course from Positive Parenting Solutions, and they talk about oh. how every child's most basic needs is to feel a sense of belonging and significance. Mm-hmm. And it's our job as parents to teach them that. And when we teach them that starting as, as young as possible, what mm-hmm. happens is not only do they feel that sense of belonging and significance, but it subliminally teaches them how to have that for themselves from mm-hmm. an internal validation standpoint. Ah, of course. So within that, a lot of times young people don't know how to express themselves and what's going on inside of them. They don't really understand their emotions and they don't really understand the difference between positive attention and negative attention. It's just attention. Either one and will do. Attention fills that need and that sense for that belonging and significance. When they have your attention, mm-hmm. they have belonging and significance. When uh-huh. they don't have your attention, they're doing things to get your attention. Mm-hmm. So how can we provide belonging and significance is where I tend to like to go to with my kid is if she's yeah. having a hard time, if she's being emotional about something, what are some ways that I can do that? Well, uh-huh. Probably one of the biggest ways to to do that is to validate their emotional their their emotional experience. I think about yes. it like when I learned that, I realized you know I wasn't a bad kid. I was I was a hurt kid, you know. Mm-hmm. That allowed mm-hmm. me to see things from a different lens for myself. For example, we're in the store and I want a new toy, and my mom says no, and I pitch a fit. To the point where mm-hmm. I got to get reprimanded, I got to get grounded because I'm behaving badly. I then associate that with me being a bad kid. That doesn't okay. gonna, that's uh-huh. not going to help me feel any any love or sense of belonging and significance. At the mm-hmm. time, I didn't have the ability to articulate why I was upset. I can understand right. it now. I'm upset because mom and dad have money for their cigarettes but not for my toy. <laughs> ah, yeah, that would be frustrating. Right. And when you're a kid, you don't, you don't think that deeply. You just want what you want and, you know. Exactly. So the thing is, is that there's no such thing as a bad kid, only a kid who lacks right. belonging and significance. I believe that. So in that moment, I lacked belonging and significance. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was fighting for that. And attention in that moment gets me that. And now I have attention. If I'm flipping shit in the middle of a store, like my mom can't do anything but give me attention. So yeah, I'm winning. Right, right, right. I'll right? Get so it one finding way another, ways right? in that moment for, for that kid to give them belonging and significance. Mm-hmm. So cultivating a positive relationship instead of, I mean, and it can be simple things. Like if at that age, you know, would he... What do they like to do? Maybe they like bowling or video games or they like video games. For example, a lot of kids do like, mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. we're going to have a, we're going to have a, a parent date. You know, we do uh, daddy daughter dates and mm-hmm. she gets to pick. And in that moment, it might be video games. It might be bowling. It might be, we go fishing, different things of that nature, but empowering her with choice. She, we are going to do what she wants to do. Not what I want to do. That's great. 
I, I really resonate with that because I, I also agree that people are, are looking for that belonging. I totally, totally understand that. And I, I reflect on that on my life. And really all I ever wanted was my parents to pay attention to me. Like literally that's it. And funny, I'm a musician. I'm, you know, seeking attention from everyone, <laughs> every audience I play for. Right. But, but our kids, especially when they're going through adolescence and they're just struggling like crazy, the first year I treated him like he was a problem. Like, okay, we will fix you. I'm going to take you to X, Y, and Z doctors and whoever and fix you. But it was like, I'm over here, you're over there. But I think it would have been better if I would have said, I see you. I see you. What, what are you needing? What can I help you with? And how can I be here for you instead of making it kind of a, not an enemy, but like a problem to solve? I don't think it feels good to be a problem to solve. Right. I'm sure that didn't feel good to him. No, I, I don't disagree with that. And, yeah. And that can instill feelings of less than if you're a problem, then you're, then you're a burden. And mm -hmm. that can definitely impact a person's sense of self-worth. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I didn't mean for it to do that. I don't think parents ever mean to do this to their kids. Definitely but not. I wasn't thinking... I was thinking, I got to save his life is really what I was thinking because he was trying to kill himself and he was, you know, using substances that were terrifying. And, and so I was just on this mission, but I learned to, I, from my life coach and from a book, there's a book called Beyond Addiction that has been super helpful. Mm -hmm. And it talks about that relationship piece. It's not about what the kid's doing exactly. It's about the relationship the relationship and maintaining that positive relationship. If, if you can possibly find one little thing, like you said, find something they like to do, find something you have in common, find something you're willing to do, you know, you know, listen to their music or whatever, even if it may not be your thing, find that commonality and find some way to connect with, with your kid. That's really important. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. That. And, and I mean, at the end of the day, I know for me, having a daughter, I never, I was never into dolls or Barbies or any of the girly stuff like that. If, if you can assign that kind of thing to those toys. Mm -hmm. But when, when I drop down into that child ego state and I'm not caring about playing with dolls as an adult male, like who cares? And I let go of that. Yeah. And I dropped that judgment and that evaluation around it, man, like the, the fun that her and I will have in that moment yeah. when I'm fully present and I'm not judging myself or judging the situation for what we're playing with. Uh -huh. We have such an amazing time. That's so and, great. I love seeing dads do that. That's so great. Right. And what that does, what that does is that creates a safe space between her and I. Mm-hmm. And as a result, when there are moments and times when she's working through something emotionally that she doesn't quite know how to express, mm -hmm. I can be there for her. But she's not yeah. going to want me to be there for her if, I'm, if I haven't created that and cultivated that safe space in, in a playful way yes. first. Yeah, that connection. Now, how old is your daughter? She's almost six. She's She'll be six in a month. Ah, oh, that's such a great age. That's great. That's great. It sounds like your family's really working together and creating a beautiful 
a safe place for everybody that, uh, you know, we named our podcast Safe Home. We want everybody to have that safe place where they can really be themselves and be authentic. So it sounds like that's what you're intentionally creating in your house. Yeah, that's what we're, we're trying to do our best. And, you know, like how you said, you, you know, that wasn't something that you tried to do a, a few minutes ago. I forget exactly what we were talking about, but like no parent, I shouldn't say no parent, but most parents don't intentionally like right. hurt their kid. Right. They're not saying, huh, how can I screw up my kid today? Right. If anything, just... I, I've done some podcasts or I've done a podcast with my sister and my mom now for Project Unchained. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I learned, I, I mean, I already knew it just from consuming psychological and, and different uh, uh, therapy modalities. But I realized, especially in having that conversation with my mom, that a lot of the things that hurt me that she did was an expression of her hurt coming through in her parenting. And so, right, like we, right. we owe it to our kids to do this work. Yeah. Like, yeah, and that's you part just of my motivational factor. You got. Mm-hmm. Right. And so that's part of yeah, my motivating totally. factor to, to keep doing this work on myself all the time is I want to pass as little of my hurt and pain onto my daughter as possible. I know that right. I will not Change some of those. be a zero, but I want to get as close as possible. I love that. I think that's great. I think that's really great. And I think uh, if parents can be very intentional around that, I know, you know, day to day, it sort of feels like you have no extra bandwidth for, you know, <laughs> like these higher level things. But, you know, the sooner you can get those in, the better. You know, it, it can only benefit you and your kids and the whole family, the whole community, really. See, so what, and I like that you said that, how a lot of us parents say we don't have time. I say bullshit. Mm. And I say that because that is the biggest excuse that everybody, well, I don't want to say, I shouldn't say everybody. I don't want to I try to not speak in absolutes. Um, a lot of people, especially in our American culture, our lives are riddled with time-wasting distractions. Mm-hmm. How much TV do we watch? It, like I told one of my friends that I've been working with and, and helping him through some of this stuff. I'm like, dude, for every one hour of TV you do, you got to put in two hours on your self-care. Like, oh, you can't, you, that TV's your excuse. Every time you turn that TV on, you numb out from your life. Yeah. You're not yeah, present in your like, life. You're watching the show to distract you from your life. If you're tired of your life being mm-hmm. shitty, turn the TV off. Yeah. It's kind of like a drug and it can suck you in and uh, you don't even realize how much time has gone by. Yep. You're just gone. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. And the TV generally is not giving us good examples of how to live life well either. <laughs> no. A lot no. of dysfunction on TV. I've been really emotionally connected to football my whole life because of what it did for Mm -hmm. me at a young age. And it took Uh me until this year to turn TV, turn football off. But prior to going into like this past year's season of football, I'm like, you know, I spend entirely way too much hours on a Sunday Mm. watching football. It doesn't connect me any deeper to my family. Mm. Uh, I'm, behind on yard work or whatever else around the house that I'm trying to Mm -hmm. do and create, I need to turn it off. And I turned it off. Mm -hmm. And next thing you know, I'm like, Oh, whoa, it's, it's playoffs and it's time for the Super Bowl. Like I didn't watch any games all year long. 
that was there was so much more time for working the different things that I'm trying to create and spending time with Rosalie and wow. Vanessa, like avoiding and and being disciplined to take that what distractions exist in my life that are the time sucks that aren't nice. doing, being, or creating. Anything that doesn't uh-huh. add to doing, being, or creating is a distraction from your life. Uh-huh. Uh, for me, it's Facebook scrolling, just endless Facebook scrolling. That's my, my numb out. Like, I don't want to do anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, well, that's really amazing that you were able to put football away. Did you watch the playoffs in the Super Bowl, though? I did watch the Super Bowl. Okay, yeah. very good. That's, I guess you should watch one game a year. Right. And I, I mean, I don't think I'll ever not watch a single game all year, but that was the start for me was to not watch any regular season games. Yeah. It, well, that's like, great. I mean, if you can do that, that's amazing. It's gone You're down in time. Person. But like before I, I used to sit there in front of the TV all Sunday long. And I think back wow. to that, I'm like, man, how much. The whole day time could I have been doing working on getting myself in a better place doing being or creating doing being creating I love that now you have a course the belonging blueprint what do people learn in your course the intention behind that is kind of a spinoff from you know every child's most basic need is a sense of belonging and significance and when they're young Mm -hmm. it's the parent's job to find ways to cultivate that in the child Hmm. Well, now it's our job as adults to do that for ourselves and create mm-hmm. internal validation. And so that's hmm. the main principle behind it is the the blueprint is the belonging blueprint is that internal validation. And like some of the things that that does is when I'm when I when I have that strong sense of belonging and I'm internally validated that has such a big positive impact on my life and the relationships in my life. So I can have more intentional, authentic conversations um, around my feelings, what I'm feeling, what's going on for me. And knowing that and connecting with that, then I don't have to wait for somebody else's approval on my emotions. Mm -hmm. I don't need somebody else to say, Oh, you're right. Mm -hmm. And I avoid or I'm better able to manage not falling back into some of my people pleasing tendencies that I used to have, which totally meant giving myself away and not honoring myself and not doing what I needed to do for me. And so being in that place allows me to operate with authenticity and with purpose and with intention in ways that fulfill me. While also still finding the space to honor other people along the way. Mm. And a lot of that looks like I can, there's, there's such a lack of ability to agree to disagree in this world today. Everything's so polarized. Mm. Like I'm right. You're wrong. What if Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we're both right and we have a different perspective and that's okay. Mm Mm-hmm. And we can do that for ourselves when we believe and belong within ourselves. But if we're trying to seek external validation, if I need to be, if I need your approval for me to be who I am, I'm going to have a rough go at it. Yeah. 
those sound like great, great topics, and it's just things everyone needs to needs to do. Would would a teen be able to go through your program, or is it more geared toward adults? Um, a, a teen would definitely be able to go through it. I think it's geared for a little bit older than teens, just from a like emotional maturity, frontal lobe development kind of standpoint. Yeah. yeah. So it would kind of just depend on on the on the teenager. Maybe they're able to to get the concepts out of it. I I think about it and I I wish that I would have had something like this as a kid. And I know that there's there's definitely some twists and things to do and take out of it that I I wanna spend a little bit more time on on how I might would incorporate that more for a younger age group. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's again, it's not that somebody wouldn't get out get anything out of it at a at a younger age. You know, I don't want to say it's for everyone because nothing yeah. is for everyone. It's it sounds like it's for seekers though. But there's things in there that I think anybody could get something out of. Yeah. No, it sounds like a great program. And is it the kind of thing where uh is it worksheets or videos or one-on-one what what kind of format is it uh there are different lessons that i'll go over different topics the videos are depending on the lesson uh 15 20 minutes of length and then there's explorations so that you know like journal prompts to help you ask yourself different questions so that you can bring awareness to different things in your life different prompts to help you connect with and know what you do want to create things of that nature. And a lot of times, a lot of people are like, well, I don't know what I want. Well, if you know what you don't want, mm-hmm. then you want the opposite. So just learning yeah, how to ask ourselves slightly different questions uh, mm-hmm. and it guide you through that. There's different meditations along the way, different challenges, things of that nature to help you grow out of the comfort zone. There's nothing, nothing great or purposeful or fulfilling comes from the comfort zone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then there is a, uh, a private discord server that we can talk about different ideas and concepts as we're going through. If there's questions that come okay. up, can I'll answer them up on there. And then there's going to be, mm-hmm. there's uh there's monthly community calls where we'll get on the okay. live calls and, work through, work through whatever somebody might be experiencing. What are, what are their roadblocks? Let's identify them and smash them. Nice, 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 nice. That sounds really good. Well, how can people find you or find your course? What's the best route to find you? Uh, I am on Instagram, ross.lepala, L-E-P-P-A-L-A. That's one way. Another way would be on Facebook, just Ross Lepala. Uh, or you can email me, which is the AK Leprechaun at gmail.com with the word the in there. So AK Leprechaun. Yep. T-H-E-A-K-L-E-P-R-E-C-H-A-U-N at gmail.com. <laughs> okay. Very good. I don't know what AK Leprechaun means, but. Oh, I got nicknamed a- the Leprechaun like years and years and years ago. Uh, it started in college football and it traveled on into college and then. I would move different places as I progressed in life. And every time I moved, like this new crowd of people started calling me a leprechaun. So I just embraced the nickname and it's, <laughs> it's, it's uh, so a part of what I've embraced as, as part of the funness of me. And uh, that's my email address. Are you Irish? I am a mix of everything. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Okay, very good. Yeah. So I, I mean, That's funny. I I don't know that I'm even a quarter of any one particular thing. <laughs> <laughs> so That's funny. Well, I'll make sure and have all those links in the show notes so people can get a hold of you. Is there anything I haven't asked or that you would like to share about before we close up? I think one of the one of the things that comes to mind is there there's this point I think in everybody's life where you have to make the choice of to continue to wallow in your own pain and self-pity or mm-hmm. create change. And mm-hmm. that was a big catalyst for me at age 28 was, you know, I finally came to this point and realized that all that pain and hurt and suffering inside me from a kid was still inside of me. And it was uh-huh. driving my life in an incredibly limited fashion. My romantic relationships mm-hmm. were dismal and far and few between. Mm-hmm. My friendships were lacking. My career was not enjoyable. And mm-hmm. I might have looked successful from the outside looking in. You know, I, I had money, I had a job, I had a career, I had a home. And like all that stuff was great, but I still wasn't happy. I still wasn't happy mm-hmm. with myself and who I was. Mm-hmm. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and say, Ross, I love you. And mm-hmm. I finally at that point realized like, I need to do something different. This is not mm. working. And it was finally in that moment that I let the that pain and that hurt be the catalyst for growth to push me forward. And yeah. I started working with a life coach and went through a lot of that. And that started this whole journey. And it's a choice. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. we choose it or we don't choose it. And it's up mm-hmm. to us. For years and years and years, I wanted somebody else to do it and fix it for me. And that was just me being a victim. And, you know, I took my power back and I said, I choose me and I'm going to go on this path. And there was lots of times where it sucked and it hurt and it was painful. Mm. But man, it's been, it's been worth every bit of it. Yeah. At the end of the, once you get through that really tough part, it's a lot better. Right. You have to oh, you have to get the oomph to get through that that tough tough slog though. And the, there's continuing other tough yep. slogs. <laughs> the the day I realized oh. that it was all so worth it was the, mm-hmm. I'll never forget that first time where I looked in the mirror and I just I had this moment I'm like, you know what, dude? I'm I'm fucking proud of you, man. I love you. Good job. Aww. And I was like, Oh, that's awesome. That just happened. Like and I could like feel my soul hugging myself. And it was such a cool experience. And so I guess that's kind of one of my goals with all this stuff that I'm trying to do is to help Mm -hmm. push and guide people towards having a similar experience because it's. Yeah, it really is. You can't describe it. I cannot describe it. Yeah. Other than it's it's simply amazing. And then that that self-growth, that self-awareness colors all that you do and all the people that you touch and it just expands exponentially. Right. Well, you've done amazing work. I am really impressed with you and I love your podcast too. And I will keep an eye on you and keep watching what you're doing over there at Unchained. And I hope people look you up and I really appreciate you sharing your story with us here. You're my first uh, power lifter ever <laughs> <laughs> that I've ever known actually. And I haven't had very many guys on the show. So I think it's really important to have that guy's perspective too. So thank you very much for coming on Safe Home. 
Yes. Thank you, Beth. I, I appreciate your hospitality and I had a lot of fun. Yeah, good. So thank you everyone for listening. Uh, I hope you got a lot out of this episode. Please find Safe Home on all the social media places on YouTube. And we are also on Patreon if you'd like to help support the podcast and help us remain commercial free because I do not like commercials. So we're trying to make this an independent project. So we appreciate all of our Patreon supporters. And go ahead and sign up for our email list. We send out a weekly email and keep you informed about the episodes and other events and happenings and some updates on Joey each week. So sign up below in the notes. There's a link for you. So thank you all for listening. And Ross and I want you all to stay Stay safe. safe.